honest to be completely honest I, I i get the whole eva destruction thing <laughs> yeah totally right yeah that was uh, johnny thunders there it was johnny thunders yeah uh, so we started that out with uh, morphine top floor bottom buzzer yeah and it's funny because we're the opposite we're the bottom floor top buzzer we are so, like we're in that bizarro mixed up world. Yeah. Uh, but uh, in that bizarro mixed up world, Morphine is one of the best bands ever. Uh, one of the best bass players ever. Just a great, a, a great band. I love their music. I love their songs. Yeah. From there we went to Cake, Hem of Your Garment. Claudia loves her some cake. I do. I do. Virtual and musical. I mean, uh, actual tangible cake and musical cake. I'm a fan. Well, I mean, like, as far as far as the tangible cake, like I mean, I'm trying to like organize our CDs, and like there's all these like cases for CDs that don't exist in our collection, but there's no case for a fucking cake CD. <laughs> but they're all like, like crammed into other. Yeah, yeah. It's like I literally have a stack of like, well, this is not the the band that's here, but but there's where did the cake? Cases I, don't, go. I, don't I, I don't know either. It's it's a weird thing. There's somewhere like in my 1989 Mazda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, from there we went to Les, Les Claypool's Duo to Twang. Staying alive. You know, like I was a little apprehensive about the new album, but yeah, that sounded pretty good. <laughs> it was Les Claypool. That, that was Les Claypool? It was doing... Uh, okay, doing well the then I'll have, to, I'll, I'll, I'll have to give <laughs> I'll have to give that uh, that, that new ABBA a chance. Yeah. Um, uh, take a chance on it. Take a chance, take a chance. <laughs> I've heard nothing but bad shit about the new ABBA. Like 40 years and they come back with some poo-poo. That's right. Like, I don't know. Come back strong, you know what I mean? Like you had a little bit of time to like, I don't know. Anyways. And then we finished that off with Johnny Thunder's Eve of Destruction. Uh, and you tell me over and over and over and over and over and over again, my friend. You don't have to tell me. The Eve of Destruction, you don't yeah, say. Right, we're there. We're past it. Have you have you checked the news today? Yeah. yeah right. it's, it's, it's. And along along the lines of Eve of Destruction, in the background, we've got some Devo, some de-evolution oh, yeah, happening. Yes. we got some gut feet they, they, they called in the it. background. They called it 100%. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah, there's oh. no other word for it. What time is it? It is 9.26. 9.26? We should get on with the yeah, rest of the set. Yeah, we're getting on with the rest of the set. Right now we're moving on to uh, the records that we found in the basement that belong to our deceased 
landlord, Peter, and his partner, Frank. So thank you, Peter and Frank. We're glad that we were able to save these from... They were, the they, were, they were literally throwing them away. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a whole bunch, too, that they took while I was looking at these. I'm sorry I didn't get to go through those because I'm sure it was gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm glad we got what we got. We got a lot. We got, we got some great stuff and in really great shape, like like some old records you might find here and there in the bargain bin, but like mint. mint. <laughs> like, oh. never. This has never been played. Like they Or just, maybe once. Yeah, like maybe, they bought it and put it in that yeah. basement. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. well, we, we we put the records in storage after we go, we switched over to eight tracks, and then, you know, you know, you give it another like 40 years later. And, uh, but we're gonna kick it off with the Rolling Stones off of uh, Beggar's Banquet. My favorite Rolling Stones album. An amazing yeah. album. Is this actually a? Yeah, when I saw that in the pile, I was like, yoink! Yoink! Yeah, That's yeah. the first one I saw. This is actually a, a promo copy. This is one of the copies they gave to. Um, like radio stations. To radio stations. And it's probably worth shows. something, honestly. Yeah, it's worth a lot to me. I was glad to have it in the collection. But yeah, we are, uh, we're going to start this off with uh, Parachute Woman.
darkness at the break of noon Shadows, even the silver spoon The handmade blade, the child's balloon Eclipses both the sun and moon To understand, you know too soon There's no sense in trying Threats they bluff with scorn Suicide remarks are torn From the fool's gold mouthpiece The hollow horn plays wasted words Proves to warn that he not busy being born Is busy dying Temptation's page flies out the door You follow, find yourself at war Watch waterfalls of pity roar You feel the moan, but unlike before You discover that you just be one more person crying So don't fear If you hear A foreign sound To your ear It's all right, Ma. I'm only sighing. As some worn victory, some downfall. Private reasons, great or small, can be seen in the eyes of those that call to make all that should be killed to crawl. While others say don't hate nothing at all except hatred. Disillusion words like bullets bark as human gods aim for their mark. Make everything from toy guns that spark to flesh-colored Christs that glow in the dark. It's easy to see without looking too far that not much is really sacred. Preachers preach of evil fates Teachers teach that knowledge waits Can lead to hundred dollar plates Goodness hides behind its gates But even the president of the United States Sometimes must have to stand naked And though the rules of the road Have been lodged It's only people's games Hey, you got to dodge And it's all right, Ma I can make it Advertising signs they con you into thinking you're the one That can do what's never been done That can win what's never been won Meantime, life outside goes on all around you yourself you reappear you suddenly find you got nothing to fear alone you stand with nobody near when a trembling distant voice unclear startles your sleeping ears to hear that somebody thinks they really found you question in your nerves is lit yet you know there is no answer fit to satisfy and sure you not to quit to keep it in your mind and not forget that it is not he or she or them or it that you belong to but though the 
masters make the rules for the wise men and the fools. I got nothing more to live up to. them that must obey authority that they do not respect in any degree who despise their jobs their destiny speak jealously of them that are free do what they do just to be nothing more than something they invest in while some on principles baptized to strict party platform ties social clubs and drag disguise outsiders they can freely criticize tell nothing except you to idolize and say god bless him while one who sings with his tongue on fire gargles in the rat race choir bent out of shape from society's pliers cares not to come up any higher but rather get you down in the hole that he's in but i mean no harm nor put fault on anyone that lives in a vault but it's all right ma if i can't please him Judges watch people in pairs, limited in sex, they dare to push fake morals, insult and stare, while money doesn't talk, it swears, obscenity, who really cares, propaganda, all is phony. them that defend what they cannot see with a killer's pride security it blows their minds most bitterly for them to think death's honesty won't fall upon them naturally life sometimes must get lonely collide head on with stuffed graveyards false goals i scuff at pettiness which plays so rough walk upside down inside handcuffs kick my legs to crash it off say okay i've had enough what else can you show me and if my thought dreams could be seen they'd probably put my head in a guillotine but it's all right ma it's life and life only when the only sound in the empty street is the heavy tread of the heavy feet that belong to a lonesome cop. She opens shop. When the moon so long has been gazing down on the wayward ways of this wayward town, 
that her smile becomes a smirk she goes to
Hello, hello. Oh, hey. Hello? Oh, yeah. Got good goggly dam. Man, we're good here. Good goggly dam is right. We're back. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what just happened? <laughs> that, that's what we were from the start there. Uh, we did uh, with the Rolling Stones, Parachute Woman. Um, what, uh, my favorite album of theirs. Uh, Beggar's Banquet. Beggar's Banquet. Uh, Bob Dylan, who I'm not the biggest fan of, to be honest, but man, this is my favorite album of his. And uh, yeah, it's all right, Ma. I'm only bleeding. Um, I know it mostly from the uh, the, the soundtrack to. Um, uh, what was it that uh, Easy Rider? Yeah, but a great song, a great song. <laughs> then we did um, Tony Bennett, um, Love for Sale, which is a a 1957 really accolade uh, uh, for, for you know sex positive um, <laughs> hookers. <laughs> it, it was about hookers, yeah. It was about hookers, and uh, yeah, it was. Imagine that. We did a uh, Spencer Davis, right? Yeah, we finished that off with Spencer oh. Davis on on the green light. On the green light, which is uh, actually a uh, it was written by turns out Steve Winwood. Really? Yeah, it's a Steve Winwood song. Awesome. I, I met him once at a salad bar too, but I, I mostly tell it as a Tom Petty story. <laughs> right. Um, then we did a. Uh, that was it. That was it. Yeah, in the background now we have some uh, Japanese koto music. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. Uh, Michio Magako. Awesome. I, I'm sure I'm butchering that name. But no, this is a 1951 uh, recording of uh, on Victoria Records of Michio. Michio. Magata, Magata? I, 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 I'm sure I'm butchering his name, but man, he's playing the Kyoto, the, the 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 Japanese banjo. Yeah, there, gotta love that. Know? Yeah, yeah. Um. All right, and now we're uh, we're gonna move on. We're running out of time here, so we're moving on to. Clock is ticking. It is to some Janis Joplin with "Move Over." Another really great record we got in fucking mint condition. Yeah.
started that set over with Janis Joplin doing Move Over. From there we went to The Animals, Send You Back to Walker. From there, Donovan with Sunshine Superman. And right now we're taking you out with The Residents with uh, Hello Skinny. Yes. Yes, it's Hello Skinny and the song after that. But um, we'll see you here next week or you'll hear us here next week or who knows what's going to happen yeah. in this day and age. Next week we're teaming up with our neighbor uh, Sean from Bug House. Oh, Square. our neighbor, yeah, yeah. And we're doing a four-hour set from six to ten where we're combining our two our two yes. blocks. And we're doing instrumental songs. Yeah. So that should be a good time. No words. No words. I'll be, we'll, we'll, I'll be jammering and yabber jabbering and here in between, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, no words. No words in the music anyway. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, should be a good time, and we'll let the residents take us out. Thanks for hanging out with us. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Let's watch I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Let's Spiegelman. We're hosts of <laughs> YouTube uh, with Michael Spiegelman. Follow us on podcast by with our acronym LWAFLMOYT. We watch a full length movie on YouTube with you, and you listen to the podcast and yeah. watch the movie at the same right. time. Yeah, LWAFLMOYT. Yeah, That's every Sunday, two p.m. Pacific Standard Time, or if you're Carl, five percent, five percent. Right. I'm so lazy. Three hours later, I finally get to the show. Five p.m. Let's hear the theme song. Oh, uh, uh, let's watch full-length movies. Oh, yeah, let's do a full-minute promo. Oh, never mind. Bye. See, ya. See you next month. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. 
They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio FM has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. <laughs> Hey, Mutineers, Stolowitz here. Have you ever listened to Labor and Love on Saturday mornings, 10 to noon, with Bill Morgan? It's a really excellent show, one of my favorites here at the station. And it's all about service. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but we got to serve somebody. And Bill understands the virtue of service as the heart and soul of the labor movement better than a lot of people I know. And it's one of the reasons I love to listen to him. He breaks down socialism, democracy, protest history, workers' news, and the power of unions. Along with that, he serves up a excellent mix of jazz, Latin, gospel, hip-hop, and traditional folk ballads. Great stuff. Check it out. Labor and Love is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Serve somebody. Since 1971, the San Francisco Tenants Union has been fighting for the rights of tenants and for the preservation of affordable housing in San Francisco. Starting from the struggle for rent control in the 1970s, the Tenants Union has been the city's leading advocate for tenants. The Tenants Union is supported by membership and counseling donations, and this enables advocacy to be uncompromising and not influenced by pressures from government or other funders. It is a 501c4 since it campaigns for political candidates, so generally donations are not tax-deductible, although large donations may qualify. Please visit WFTU.org for more information. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio, in San Francisco. Flat black plastic. Mini radio. Dot FM. Saturday. Noon to two. Every Saturday. All music. All night. ACLU of California reminds us that we have the right to speak out. Both the California Constitution and the First Amendment to the United States Constitution protect our rights to free expression. There are many questions we face when we decide to organize and speak out. Do we need a permit? Are there limitations? Or when or when can we not demonstrate? What about civil disobedience? For all of this information, please check out aclunc.org. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Alex! Can you tell me what food relieves insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite? I'm going to guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternatives to smoke it. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby! Good! 
because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again. And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4AltaCalifornia.com. That's 4AltaCalifornia.com for a non-addictive pharmaceutical-free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4AltaCalifornia.com. Safe sex is more than just avoiding STIs and pregnancy, no matter what you're into. Make sure that you and those around you feel safe, comfortable, and are having a good time. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be... Like in front of an audience? Like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> San Francisco Mutiny Radio San Francisco Mutiny Radio Listen to live streaming radio Or download a podcast And you can listen on the go Listen to live streaming radio or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. MutinyRadio.fm Why not make a donation? MutinyRadio.fm Streaming live the station. MutinyRadio.fm District of the Mission. MutinyRadio.fm My name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your Chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, Write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders. Look good on camera. End all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. And... Invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. 
It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor. insatiable appetite for all things in life, who scream at nothing and everything at the same time, who dance till sunup, who cause the sun to set again with irreverent bow, who rival the moon with gravitational force, who leave rooms feeling empty and earthquake struck, who don't give a fuck, who make, who do, who dream out loud and laugh like maniacs, who draw shock and awe on faces graced with watching, who create from the soul of an orgasm, who swagger even alone in the shower, who fight with passion and love with passion and our passion who catapult over cliffs in the name of revolution who would rather die than fall in line to conform who constantly challenge the norm who greet each and every day as if just born i say to you i know your greatness the way a suicide jumper knows weightless just before the impact and in fact i know it best when i say to you i love you Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. You can watch if you want to. You can slap Spiegelman's behind. L-W-A-F-L-M-N-O-Y-T on Mutiny Radio. Mutiny. It's pronounced mutiny. Mutiny! It's, it's pronounced mutiny! Mutiny! Oh, my turn-offs are guys who say mutiny. Mutiny? Well, let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Oh, Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman! Hey! Mike Spiegelman! Mike Spiegelman! Mike Spiegelman! Mike Spiegelman! Welcome to L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. That stands for Let's Watch, a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me back again, especially in this year of public domain. That's right. This is 2022, as the kids say, and we are uh, celebrating every year now, started in the Trump administration. Every year now, we have movies that appear in the public domain after long last. So after 75 years, movies are liberated. And of course, they're on YouTube. So we're going to watch a movie today. Uh, in the public domain, and we are on Mutiny Radio, Carl, uh, every Sunday at 2 p.m. We are also uh, available as a podcast. That's by its acronym, which we said up front, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Y-T stands for YouTube. YouTube. Uh, hey, I didn't write it. No, I didn't. <laughs> I, I didn't come up with the name YouTube. So, uh, we want you to find watch this movie with us, find it, watch it on YouTube, and listen to this, our podcast. Right. Our streaming show here on Mutiny Radio. Right. At and the same the, time. Hit the donut button. Hit the donut yeah. button. We have a Patreon page. Mutiny Radio uh, is the reason why we're here. It supports us. So why don't you uh, give a donation? You could go to Mutiny Radio 
dot fm and click the donation button goes to the patreon page we also have a they also have a venmo account at mutiny radio throwing a couple bucks carl do you know there's live comedy that uh on internet audiences can listen to on mutiny radio that's pamtastic fantastic comedy playhouse clubhouse excuse me uh live here in the studios uh, is um, eight o'clock, six o'clock on Fridays at eight o'clock on Friday. But I should mention there's an open mic. So if you're a comedian mm-hmm. in the Bay Area and you like to perform, uh, you can come on by on Monday and Friday, and or just you know, uh, put your ear to the buzz and hear when the next show is. Uh, donate two bucks, and at the end it'll broadcast as a podcast. You know, so you'll be on the streaming. You perform, you stream live. Then you can listen to your podcast and, you know, you maybe improve your act. If it's a killer set, keep the audio. Post it on ZimZam. You got it all set up. <laughs> Is that a real thing? Yes. Copyright Mike Spiegelman. Zim- so, Carl. Um- no, no, I see. I take that back. I think ZimZam is uh, something from Colin Mayhem came up with for uh, okay. Great Difficulties or Sketch Group uh, or something similar to that. Uh, anyway, uh, Carl, what is the movie we're watching? What public domain, what movie entered the public domain in 2022 that we're watching today? The General, 1926. That's all you put in the search engine. The General, 1926. And we like the the channel <laughs> Magiblot one. Ma- Magiblot, not Magiblot, but Magi, not Magic Blot, but Magiblot one. Uh, go ahead and type in the General, 1926. When you find that link for Magic Block, click it, then hit pause, move the timer to the left, and at the countdown, uh, when we say go, click go, uh, click the start button. Carl, we're not going to say go. I'm very excited to start or kick off our show with a great yeah. segment. Uh, Carl has scoured the world, and he has found a celebrity comedian to grace us and to do our countdown. Let's yeah. meet this this celebrity comedian. Carl, take it away. Yeah, stand by. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Countdown, this time with Adam Spielman. Welcome, Thank you. Adam. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, How's everyone doing? Spiegelman. Spiegelman. It's such a familiar last name. I happen to do a podcast, and I do believe the guy's your brother. Who? Rick? No, no, the other one, Michael. Michael, yeah, I know him. Mike Spiegelman, yeah. Right, it was to the two of you growing up together. What was it like being with Mike the whole time? Oh, it was great. Yeah, I love Mike. Um, I love him like a brother, which works <laughs> out. He, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot of uh, weird stuff from my brother. And, I, you know, something I appreciate that, uh, you know, the Dr. Dementos and... Uh, uh-huh. The weird ministry and that kind of weird music, and then Neil Hamburger, and uh, oh, you know, I, can I tell a quick story that? My, yes, please do. So I was working on a the Neil Hamburger is this guy who uh, it's really funny. Like he just he does these CDs of being the worst comedian ever, and he puts in a fake audience, and he's just terrible and bombing, and he's it's really hilarious and just. Well, I, when you see him live, half the audience loves it, and half the audience is like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> um, so uh, Mike introduced me to it. He found a CD, sent it to me. I used to play it. My roommates were like, "What is this crap?" <laughs> so I was working on this talk show, and they're like, "We want out of the box, uh, like a late night talk show. We want one out of a box 
thinking we want stuff that you think that I would hate. And I was so annoyed with this guy. I was like, you're going to hate Neil Hamburger. <laughs> so because of Mike, I found him on the internet. He was in Australia opening up for rock bands. He was on a rock label. He's like, yeah, next time I'm in LA, I'll come on. So every comedian bombed on the show. They just weren't, it had a rep of being a bad place to perform. So we just assumed he would bomb and we we're going to take um, shots of people in the audience. And he did great wow. with his terrible material. But it was just such a great thing to watch him. And he got to be on TV and that kind of relaunched his career. So thanks to Mike Spiegelman. And then Mike got to open up for him in San Francisco. Terrific. Um, but Mike's kind of responsible for that guy's career. Oh, he's a kingmaker, Mike Spiegelman. <laughs> yeah, he's a kingmaker. Neil Hamburger, Fishburgers, you know. <laughs> Fishburgers, yeah. Now, Mike loves bad movies. And you, you know, that's what... You know why this podcast was born, and you too. Uh, I wouldn't always say that they're bad, but you're really into films. You even have your own podcast called Proudly Resents. Tell me about that. Oh my god, uh, yeah. So, Mike got me into loving and appreciating bad movies. I don't know if you're around the same age, but not you are obviously, but well, a lot older than me, but uh, like Night Flight and like weird stuff like that, you know, mm -hmm. Channel 31 and. Um, so I love bad, good, bad movies and movies that are so bad, they're good. I also just like weird cult films. So I have this podcast proudly resents and I did it for about five years. So there's a lot of episodes. Yeah. So they're all new to you. And then it can split up into, if you go to proudly resents interviews, you can get interviews with weird directors and actors and a lot of crazy, you know, great stories. And I got a lot of great guests, the room, right? The room was, uh. So I was one of those early people with the room mm -hmm. and totally obsessed with it. And I got, have an interview with everyone except for, um, like I have Tommy Wiseau. I don't have the, the Craig Cisco, their best friend. Um, but I have everyone. I have the, the mom who dies of cancer or has cancer, but it gets cured. And yeah, it's great talking to those people and meeting them. And they're all, some of them are fantastically weird and some of them are just fantastic. And, you know, and the guy, the, my big interview was the guy who claimed he directed the room, that he did all the work. If you saw the movie The Disaster Artist, he was played by Seth Rogen. Uh-huh, um, I remember that guy, yeah, that character, yeah. So he, I, I don't really, I mean, he did say action and cut, so yes, that makes him the director. That I makes know. him a director, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but he, his stories are great about, uh, about the room. And so there's a lot of great stories. So I do interviews, with a lot of great stories. And then we have comedians, uh, mostly my brother, but other famous comedians come on and talk about their favorite bad movie. And we dissect it kind of like what you guys do, but after watching it. Now, one time uh, we got to be a part of proudly resent Sean Connery, his last film ever was an animated film called Sir Billy. It was a horrible film. Uh, and you invited us on to proudly uh, uh, resent to, to cover the film. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good episode. You were great. Is that you're fishing? Because you're fishing, you were great. You deserve it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was one of the few ones I hadn't seen. Because usually I'll, I'll always see the movie, but he just died and you guys had seen it. And it just looks so awful. I mean, I'm kind of semi-retired, so uh, I just didn't want to have to watch it. Um, if you go on the website of proudlyresents.com, there's one with Mike right away. And then the next one, uh, I'm trying to remember what it's called, but you see a white man and a black woman. 
it's literally about this white it came out like three five years ago so it's recent it's about this white guy that pretends to be a black woman on a radio show uh-huh. and no one notices and of course he's a big hit and uh it's uh, a wild movie and uh, i interview and it, it was great because the person i got to be on the show with me was a woman who a black woman who does radio advice so like she's the real deal and he's making a movie. So it was great to get that side of the perspective. Mm-hmm. Now, we got onto your uh, podcast, but you also once came onto our podcast. It was a doubleheader. We called it the Montclair episode. They used to do those after school specials. And there was one called What If I'm Gay? And you were actually in it. And you came on our, our podcast and did the episode with us. The famous bonk in the hallway was your highlight. I, you know, when you say my highlight, I think it's all of our highlights. Like, it humbles me. <laughs> um, it was kind of a big moment in, you know, in cinema. Yeah. I'm going to call it in uh, High Eight or whatever they shot the movie on. Um, yeah, it was a great moment. They were shooting uh, an after school special in our school, and we just hung around all the time to try to get on it and ask a million questions and what everything is. And, so I got to bump the guy, but they said, you got to bump the guy, but not really bump the guy. So I was too scared to over bump the guy. So I didn't really right. bump the guy that well. And watching it 20 years, 30 years later, I didn't really bump the guy, but he reacted like I fucking smacked him. He was a good yeah. actor. Yeah, that's right. It was part of the uh, plot in which he's come out or it's suspected and and the school, he feels like they're against him. And your shoulder bonk uh, really heavily played into that plot. So kudos to you. (laughs) If you read TV Guide at the time, it's about a guy who gets a shoulder bonk because he's gay. That's how they (laughs) described it. And I wrote it. I wrote that thing. Um, it, and the truth is, in our high school, if you were gay, uh, no one cares because they don't uh-huh. care about themselves, right? Nobody, <laughs> nobody gives a shit. You couldn't do much in our high school to get attention. So now, w- staying with the theme of bad movies, uh, one of the things that you and your brother share, besides a bad movie podcast, is you're both honorary members of the Razzies, and I think you even went to one of the ceremonies once, right? Yeah, I feel like I went twice, but I went once when I first moved to L.A. back in 98 or 99. Um, Yeah, so Razzies is the opposite of the Oscars, is the idea. Like, they give awards for the worst movies. But they also, like, look for bad movies. And unlike me, and I think Mike as well, and probably you, but they're mean. Like, their point is to make fun of these people and be mean. I I try to, like, just show bad movies that I love and why I love them. Uh Because they're bad. Um, bad I, you can argue some bad movies are better than good movies. A uh, quick example is my wife and I, I don't know why she's watching the tr- the pilot for um, 21 Jump Street. Uh-huh. I know it's a real reach. It's on Peacock Plug. And um, you, the the cop says to Johnny Depp, you you have a sense of humor like your dad. And then they cut to a picture of him and his dad, him as a little kid and his dad is obviously dead. And then you hear saxophone music for a long time. <laughs> and then you pull the camera out and it's Johnny Depp playing saxophone. Interesting. <laughs> Very cool. Gr- so that's better than most things, uh, you know, ever. So anyway, Razzie, sorry. Um, they kind of make fun of the bad movies and it's kind of fun to see. And uh, I was able to interview the guy who did it a couple of times. But they cool. do like a comedy show and they kind of make fun of him. 
Um, hopefully they'll keep doing it. And I think that it's now that things have to be online for a while. I think that's even better, you know, a little more mystery. And uh, mm-hmm. it's all about the announcements, right? You want to, and the celebrities go to it. Halle Berry went for Catwoman. Um, Tom oh, right, Green went. Right. And I think Tom Cruise, I want to say that, but that's really big. That's true. But they all have a sense of humor. You know, they realize it's a bad movie. Not all, but most. Oh, All About Eve. Um, uh, Sandra Bullock. Right. Uh, brought a real, it's just so funny how LA is a bunch of, we're all a bunch of ass kisses. She, they just kiss their ass to come on. She wins for this movie called All About Eve, or All About Steve, rather. And she brings a wheelbarrow of the movies and says, if you think this is shit, here's a wheelbarrow of shit. And then everyone clamors for a copy of the free copy of the movie from, you know, Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Well, you just voted as the worst movie of the year, and now you're going to kill each other for a copy. That's a kiss ass, all right. <laughs> That's our business. Now, you talked about moving to L.A. in the late 90s, and that's really because you do a lot of producing out there. But I remember uh, the launch of your career uh, when you were living in New Jersey in Montclair. You used to go down to Secaucus every day after school, and you'd be part of the Richard Bay show. Wow. This is even sadder than that. It was after college. I was living in New York City, and I would do the reverse commute. So. Uh, I lived in uh, Alphabet City on the edge of Manhattan. So I remember. I would rollerblade. I, yes, I was a homosexual at the time. I rollerblade um, to the train station on the east, on the west side, and then I'd take the train to the Port Authority, then walk from the Port across the Port Authority, and literally pass people I know in the business who live in New Jersey, work in New York. And they would wave and say hi. And then <laughs> I go going to, the other way. I'm going the other way, and then I would get on a bus to go to Secaucus. And uh, we produced the Richard Bay show, which was and you, you really cut your teeth on that show, right? You you've got a lot of stories about booking normal people uh, on shows like that, on shows like Divorce Court. Uh, so one guy didn't even know how to take a plane, right? Well, here's the thing: so I you book these shows with real people, and uh, you know if you watch like Maury Povich or Springer, we were. Um, so we would watch Springer, but like they stole that from us. So we were like old school Springer. So anyway, you book real people and they're not, you know, they haven't been on a plane. They haven't been out of their hometown. So this guy is going to come on the show. Uh, my boyfriend is so full of himself and we have like five couples and we're flying him in and um, he doesn't show up. And then I call him like, Randy, where were you? And he's like, yo, man, I get to the airport and there's no one there with the sign. <laughs> like for him, like, uh, like to a walk to the plane. Guy? I go, no, the guy with the signs on the other side of the airport when you get here. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> so he couldn't have him on the show. So we had to like rearrange stuff. And, uh, oh my goodness, you know, people were like, That happened all the time. People, uh, just didn't know anything. One guy, he just kept calling me about, like, Yo, man, this hotel stinks, you know. Uh, like, what are trailer. you gonna do about it? You know, you know, you know, I don't have this, I don't have that. And then he calls me and goes, I don't have a toothbrush. I go, grow up. It was divorce school. I go, grow up. <laughs> I'm not getting you a to- You didn't bring a toothbrush. They're not your mom. And he's like, oh, all right. Like, this is enough of these. When you get like, all right, that's enough. I'll put up with a lot, but that that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's right. That's when uh, you, I mean, because I'm sure that you need the guy. He's got to be on the show. So you're doing whatever he needs, making him comfortable. But I guess you've got a limit. All right, A, I have a limit, and B, he's in my hotel room, so we're going to get him to the show. 
um yeah i wouldn't have done it from his house i would be like oh we got a toothbrush and we'd have a toothbrush there because you're right all you want to do is lure these people there and get them on set and it it, it is really hard to get them from a because now i work with celebrities and you don't or real people that are a little more experienced so you you don't really have to worry about that you know mm -hmm. they're they're going to get on the plane or whatever so you worry about that stuff and then you can't find them so one of the tricks in dates on tv to find people is um we would send a pizza to their house uh -huh. before cell phones. So if the phone didn't work, they didn't pay the bill or they're not answering. Uh, you look up where they live and you find like uh, Domino's pizza and you call them up and say, listen, uh, I'm trying to reach this person. Can you put a note in the pizza and I'll give you an extra $5. Say, <laughs> Very sure. nice. What does the note say? It says call Adam at blah, blah, blah to be on divorce court. And I remember this one guy was like, my wife will never do it. She'll never do it. Come on your show. So I send her the pizza and she's like, yo, the only reason I called you is because I didn't have dinner for these kids. And you sent me a pizza and then I had smart. dinner for these kids. Very. I mean, I, I say smart, but that sounds just like a lucky happenstance, but it's perfect. Now, oh, can I do about... one more divorce court story real quick? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Please do. Um, this woman called. You get a, you get a list of phone numbers of people to call back. So I call this woman back, and uh, they call the eight hundred number on the show. And it sounds like it's so weird. It sounds like she's at church or something. And I go, hey, um, there's a lot of noise behind her. She says, oh, I just was looking for advice. I'm gonna be on the show, and I was like, well, I'm not a lawyer. I can't give advice. And she says, sure, thanks. And while she's talking, I hear like church bells going off. Mm -hmm. And I go, uh, I'm sorry to ask, but where are you? And she says, oh, I'm a stripper and I'm at work. And that's the song Hell's Bells. I have to get on stage. <laughs> oh, you can't make it up, man. Now, you talked about five years uh, with Proudly Resents and then every now and then coming out of retirement to do an episode or two. But how can people find Proudly Resents on the Internet, on social media? How do people get to uh, check it out? Go to um, proudlyresents.com. Oh, that's too um, easy. Yeah, it's too easy. And then on iTunes, Proudly Resents. When you put it in iTunes, it'll come up with, I split it up. You can get all 250 episodes, or you can get just the interviews, mm -hmm. just the reviews, just the ones with Adam Felber or Chris Gore or Todd Levin. So kind of split them up. And also the Christmas episodes um, are pretty great. We have some great Christmas movies that we make fun of, including... Um, Kurt Cameron's uh, Saving Christmas. Yeah, we saw that on our podcast. Really bad film. Really bad film. It's an insult, right? Because it looks like an action comedy and it's just a TED Talk. Yeah, <laughs> it's a TED Talk. That's a good way to put it, with a Christian bend. And, right. Uh, okay, so Adam and Adam Spiegelman. Everyone at home is poised to watch this movie to press play at the exact same time as we do here in the studio. So why don't you take it away, Adam Spiegelman, and give us that celebrity countdown. Are you ready? Put your pants on. Now take them off. <laughs> Three, two, one, play. All right. Hey, no ads. Nice to have a YouTube movie with no ads. By the way, that was a great uh, comedian celebrity countdown. countdown. Yeah. Well, uh, look at this. Buster's given Buster Keaton, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and right. gentlemen, Buster Keaton. See, it's only it says written by two people, but it was really written by like five. <gasps> really? I yeah. mean the the guild was created, Writers Guild was created. 
<laughs> it was adapted by. So that's two people right there. Black yeah, people. I guess so. They always do the cast up front. Do they do? I forgot. Is this a movie where if someone gets introduced, they have like a little Picard that says, you know, it's Annabelle Lee. <laughs> it's a placard. Placard. Um, yeah. What did I say? Look at that. Copyright Joseph M. Shank. Why? Not anymore. He was Copyright. the producer. He funded it. He copyrighted it up front. It must be a new thing, copyright. No. Now, I've been to Marietta, Georgia, so it's a little neat to see a sign. The thing is, this is really Oregon. But this is an actual train. I mean, you can't forget that uh, they're shooting this in all practicality. Yes. Mm -hmm. This is not a movie screen. There's actually a, a, a camera crew side of this train shooting it. You know, it's a... Uh, now, this train was a hauling lumber. It was just a leftover remnant. He got the guy who went scouting locations was able to purchase three trains, and that's what they used throughout this. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's expensive, isn't it? Buy three trains for a movie? Well, this, okay, he had a budget of $400,000. Now, that would shoot up to 700 and something thousand and really piss off that shank guy uh oh, copyright copyright shank right <laughs> joseph Sh shank it's not shank there's an extra e in there it's like shank yeah let's see joseph s-c-h no e-n-c-k it's missing a vowel is what's going on well, anyway, this guy was a bit of a skunk. He's the reason, and this movie is the reason, that like Buster Keaton lost his independence and had to work for MGM for the rest of his life. Right, yeah, that's true. Now, look, he's, these kids are just tagging along with him. They think it's cool that he's an engineer. We really don't know why, and we'll never see him again in the film after they go. Well, that's good. They had a child labor laws back in 1926. They were only allowed to work 80 hours a week. So, uh, you know, they must have hit the maximum when it was time for school. So rude. Got to take your hat off first. Now, the joke is she was behind him the whole time. Oh. And the kids saw it too. Oh, she is definitely pretty. I guess. Pretty dress. She's pretty. The kids walk in with him? Her, yeah, the kids walk in and proceed to sit. Now, is this a soundstage, Carl? What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, her name is Annabelle Lee in the movie. Her, name, her real name is Marion Mack. Now, look how clever he is to get rid of the kids. Oh, he's going to leave... Wah, wah. That's me at every. That's that's what happened when I, I have any job. They're like, "Yeah, here, go speak when you go up in front of us." She was a model. Buster Keaton. Uh, she was a bathing oh. beauty for twenty five dollars a week. Her film debut was on a summer day in nineteen twenty one. I don't know. That's the way it is with all these actresses and actors. You're not going to know the films they were in. or Well, can you guess what? I, I always try to guess what the film is about, at least. Like, on a sunny, sunny day, it's like... Probably about... Romance, right? Maybe a little frolic? Well, it's this is called it. The General. Okay, so, it's war. 
Okay, it's the Civil War. I'm going to enlist. Not without me, son. What side are they on? Con uh, the the um, Confederate States. They are rebels. This is oh. the South. You see, this is based on a real event. It really was the North. But Keaton felt that it wouldn't be sympathetic, so we switched it to the South. People would be sympathetic to the South? Yeah. Huh. That's what he said. So the story was that this a guy who's in the North, on the, on the other side. The real-life story? Yeah. Okay, there's a real incident in the Civil War. Okay, here it is. Union agent James Blah 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 led a squad of 21 soldiers on a daring secret raid dressed in civilian clothes. Andrew and his, and his men traveled in, in, by rail into the southern states to sabotage the rail lines, disrupt, disrupt the Confederate Army supply chain, and at the band, uh, they stole a locomotive named the General at Big Shanty. They're headed north, burning covered bridges, cutting telegraph lines. Wow. Yay, the North shall rise again. Wait a minute. Yeah. So they stole a southern train called the General? Yes. <laughs> and in this movie, they just, he does, it's, it's about, oh, all right. That's the only thing they kept. This was a southern train named the General. And the rest they just flipped. Well, they flipped it. But yeah, they do the same. It is the same plot. No, it's just, wait a second. It's just that we're sympathetic with the South. It is the Union that does the raid and everything. I look at him, he's like, back off, buddy. I mean, there was no sense of personal space. I just like uh, the movie that he, there was some, finally. He is really funny. I mean, he's trying to act all manly and stuff. Like, his head is up high. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, he's like one of those boys that try to act like a man. Right, so, right, right. Yeah. They think he's more valuable as a uh, engineer for the South, right. but they don't tell him that. They just say, get out of here, you. So he thinks it's because he's not, you know, physically fit or something. Oh, he got four F'd. Yeah. Confederacy. You know what, guys? I'm going to join the other side. So first he compares himself to this tall guy. I'm comparing myself to those licorice sticks. What do they get? Uh, <laughs> you the candy in there. That's like maybe seven cents worth of candy in there. Those jars. <laughs> Carl, man, what kind of fat pig would I be? Like, hello, I would like two peppermint sticks. <laughs> now, this guy, it's the other way around. They let this whip in? Yeah, sure. Yeah, he's more hat than man. Look at this invasion of personal space. He feels his muscles. Carl, this is Buster Keaton, physical comedy king. <laughs> One thing I love about silent movies is that it's usually nondescript locations. So I do like the fact there's a, a storyline and, you know, it's it's in a place. Because usually it's just like in, in the park, you know. Right. <laughs> Occupation. Bartender. <laughs> I'm a Tough guy. Yeah. You know it's the same guy, right? Wait a minute. I recognize that, <laughs> boys. Yeah. Get out of here, you. Beat no, him. I want to join the war. That's he a does, funny joke. He so. will say that. He'll say, if you lose this war, don't blame me. <laughs> there is a huge lineup to, to sign up. Now you have an app. Oh, he got in. Yeah, he got in. Oh, wait, 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 wait,
Your name's not Beauregard. <laughs> right. Oh, sorry, I dropped that. Just get a reward. Now watch how he gets kicked out. Ouch! I do like the walls. So those are like little like compartments where you could pick up medication or something. <laughs> oh no, that's where they keep the medication. Like if you want like a sarsaparilla, there's like a sarsaparilla drawer or something. <laughs> Ooh. I need some aloe. <laughs> they have lamp oil and stoves. Man, way to go. Hey, boyfriend, come here. No, thanks. My uh, attitude's from what I tried last time. They're like, what a disgrace. He won't even get online. Can you believe that fucking bullshit, man? Wait a minute. He was oh, on that line. He was there earlier. Oh, look, free library. Oh, no, that's, they don't uh, know it. They don't know it. So they all think he's a coward that he didn't roll because right. otherwise he would have been sent. Right. Hello. Hey. Look, we've been rolled. We've been rolled. Yes, but what about my hunk? Did he enlist? Oh, yeah. Did Johnny enlist? No. No, he's a weasel. Sorry. Yeah. He's a disgrace to the South. He hates slavery. He won't defend it. <laughs> he is a disgrace to the South. Oh, wait, are we early? Are you faster than me? I don't think so. I, I know right. by heart, so I was saying. Oh, it. fair enough. All right, the very next second, an interstitial comes up, I'll let you know. So, look, he's going to, he's sorting the mail, throwing stuff out. Uh-huh, Bill, he Bill. The picture. Bling! Yep, stealing the movie from Buster Keaton, are we? Hello, darling. Johnny, why won't why you fight you the North? Live? They wouldn't take uh, me. Are we in sync? Yep, I just got that. She doesn't believe him. Please don't oh, lie. I don't want to see you disrespect to me again until you're in uniform. Do you understand that? I love a man in a uniform. <laughs> I love the way they shoot. What was that song? Uh, I don't know it, but... You don't? Right. I love a man in a uni for you on a unicorn. Yeah, on a unicorn. I love the way he shoots. That's a great song. Yeah, I'll, I'll remember the band. These are all practical. I we know. Now, there is one thing here I strongly suspect is CGI, and I'll show you when we get to it. Is it the Velociraptor? <laughs> That's correct. You remember that thing? Look, yeah. this... They spent the money to really make that camp right there. You know, this movie was, what, 1926? What year was this movie? So this movie was 1926. Ooh, this, thank God we're not watching the color version of this movie. These two guys right here were like in 250 films and 200 films. <laughs> One on the right was a Keystone cop. I mean, these oh. guys, Yeah. Boy, I tell you, when silent films are dead, doesn't matter what the fuck you did in silent films. That was yesterday. They got all new people. Oh, my God. That must have hurt feelings. So, you know, in that respect, they had all new uh, theater goers, so we weren't even part of it. Well, no. We get to be part of their theater goer. Like, uh -huh. the people who watched them died with them. Dig? So those people watched up to 1926, say, and then they died. But we are here in the 21st century, almost 100 years later, we've seen, you know, the last 10 years of movies, but we have access to 100 years ago. Yeah. So we're cooler than them. Yeah. If we even good. bothered, not, you know, but we can communicate with them, but they would have no idea what's going on if they came and watched TV with us. 
So this is the real life plot. They're gonna go into Southern territory. They're gonna steal a train and they're gonna fuck shit up so they can destroy the supply lines to the Southern states. Oh, all right. So, so this is, seems kind of true. So it's basically the true story, but it's the sympathetic guy is the, the, uh, the South, right? Yeah. You kind of want the train, though. You want the hero to have the train, right? You don't want to be like, oh, he'll get it. <laughs> He's not letting that train out of his sight. He loves what? his train and he loves his woman. Would you say this is your favorite train movie? Uh, I don't think i have a favorite train movie snow piercer um i think water for elephants was probably the best train movie ever i mean he really trained those tigers <laughs> we did see train did, movie. did we watch runaway train with john voigt i we don't did. think so i finally had the chance to see that movie. that was a good one great train robbery not on youtube i looked Okay, so this is the plan. 20 minutes Take to get lunch in Big Shanty. Now, I think that our hero, um, Annabella Lee, doesn't have money or something because instead she hides on the train. Maybe she's so embarrassed she doesn't have money. I don't kind of get it. See, she reaches in there, no money. or, or So she goes and hides. Now, there's a trunk, her trunk. So maybe she was getting food out of it? Yeah. Now, look, oh, man. Buster Keaton will have soapy hands one second, and then poof, they're not soapy anymore. Okay, look, his goof is going to give the message, the signal. Come on, everybody. Really suave. They couldn't smell those northerners? Hey! It's a Southern Bell. Southern Bell, I was going to say. Bye-bye, Bell. Oh, they took the Southern Bell? Well, yeah. Oh, boy. It's a hostage situation. people. They're still... Look at his soapy hands. Okay, look at... Soapy, look. soapy hands. Look at his soapy hands. Kind of soapy. No, oh, not soapy. No, they're soapy. They are not! They, they are the white. Listen, man, the sun cakes your hands. Uh -huh. Okay. These guys did not notice 12 Northerners in their fucking uh, depot. Come on, gang. Come on. Get my train. Get my fucking train. I love the general. By the way, I'm so glad we mute the sound because the piano is so annoying. It's yeah, I never, I never feel the need to listen to the original sound. I mean, I understand. Like, It's fun when you uh, go to the theater. And they strip like, it, you see? Right. Can't telegraph. A train has been stolen. So, yeah, you go to the theater. Well, I, you know, the mess, last message they were able to send was dash, dash. <laughs> uh, yeah, you go to the theater, like, for silent movies, sometimes there'll be accomplishment. You know, there'll be, like, a someone playing piano to it. Or, what did I say? Accomplishment. <laughs> yeah, there'll be an accomplishment on the piano. Gotcha. Alongside the music. Uh, and uh, accomplishing or, my accomplisher tonight will be it's a companyist. I don't mind, I don't mind when you're watching a, a silent movie with people and there's music because you're sharing that, you know what I mean? Like, you could both say this music sucks or whatever, but <laughs> it just propels it. But it's so nice to watch a silent movie though that we don't have to worry about the dialogue. Watch this, watch this. 
Ow. That's real. That's real. He really fell his ass over. Don't you fucking do that. I would hurt like a motherfucker. He did all his own stunts, really dangerous stunts. Yeah. And there were accidents on the film a lot. Oh, nice. Yeah. What a weird, what, a wooden really bicycle. A physical guy. I mean, he's really. People think... in 1926 are like, did you see him jump on the wooden bicycle? And I'm like, a wooden bicycle? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't even say wooden, right? It would be such a given. Yeah, a bicycle. Uh, a, two, a twofer. Now he's he's a spy, so he's got his rebel his rebel uniform to wear. Look, these motherfuckers stole my train. I think they they're eating desserts. They're deserters. Yeah, they're you know those kind of guys who love desserts. You mean deserters? Look, he's checking his phone. Oh no, it's a stopwatch. <laughs> it's not a stopwatch. It's timepiece. Now, usually, Buster Keaton, who makes some sort of weird fuck-up, but this is just coincidence and happenstance. He's not pulling them. These guys are improving right now? No, what I mean to say is, in the plot, there was yeah. a happenstance incident. Oh, you so think- he's already... Oh, I got you. I thought, like, on the, on the day of the set. So behind them, you know, he thinks he's dragging the soldiers. Now that he, he sees that he's not. Oh, there's a cannon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, the old cannonball lying around. I guess like because the northerners were fighting them, they had to like create cannons. That's there you right. Go. Rack them up. They're still in the wood. Well, they've got to uh, burn it in the furnace, of course, for the steam. Someone's on to us. Someone's following us. Come on. Oh, they're warping the wood with water. (laughs) Warping it. No, the water's for the steam, to make the steam. Oh, I got you. I have no idea. We'll get a water gag or two. They'll think it's raining. Oh, man. What is... And then he'll walk out and go, is it raining? That old gag. Yeah. That's like what you're talking about, like a dad joke. It's more like a great, great, great grandfather. Right. Yeah. He does it every time the train goes by the water mill, the water silo. That's a joke because they think also that the soldiers are being towed. But it's just Buster. That's right. It's just Buster. And when they find that out, Buster's like, fuck this, I'm out of here. And he runs all the way off the train. Boink. Wow. Holy shit. Yeah, he's really doing this. Now, some of the stunts he does, like, you know, he climbs up a building, or that's Harold Lloyd, but, you know, these stunts, like, do you think people actually do this, like, on trains and shit like that back in the day? Yeah, this is all I'm not sure. Yeah, I think think people would go up the ladder and be on the roof for whatever reason. Okay, now this, the first time they ever did this, they put in way too much gunpowder and the cannon really fucking shot. They had to learn how to, how much, he would count out the grains of gunpowder with a tweezers to get the perfect amount of torque to make a few jokes. 
Wow. That is the wrong word. So it would be him. Like there was no one else on the set who was like, oh, I was in the Civil War. I could help you. You were the The projectory. Yeah. Yeah. To make that happen, he had to spend like, you know, I don't know, weeks trying to figure it out. Here he goes again. To happen for real. It's insane. And what's crazy for me is the cameraman following him. Yeah. Now, the joke is he put in too little gunpowder. So he's just going to put the whole canister in. Oh, my God. So he gets a little, he just puts in the whole canister. <laughs> Stuff. Yeah. Listen, you have one job. Shoot a fire. Cannonball. Cannonball. Now that thing really gonna fucking fire, right? Yeah, I mean, like usually you have people on the set who are experts and who can assist, and they have like you know, uh, stuntmen. (laughs) Now that's not the same timing. The thing is, this is all real. They shot it out of sequence. Probably. Look how it goes down. Yeah, I'm sure nuts out of sequence. It's like, oh, the fuck, it's going to blow the feet. It's going to fucking hit my train. Oh, right, because he's, uh, he's on the projectory. He used the he trajectory. He used the whole can of gunpowder. Look, he's stuck. I know. It's just another one. That's good. <laughs> <I think that's laughs> it. This is so dangerous. Look what they're doing. Uh, you know, it is war, Carl. And entertainment. What's he doing? Well, he, he's staying away, as far away from the cannon as he can. But look, he goes around a bend, so it misses him. That's good. That is oh. good. Wow, that must be the whole army's after that. We better go, That's boys. Right. The fuck, they got cannons? Well, too much baggage. All right, so this boxcar, that'll fuck them up. Oh, no, but that's where they've, well, that, you know, in the Snowpiercer, that's probably the, the poorest of the, the lowest of the cla- low class. It's low class people. Low class, yeah. The high class are in the front cars, as you know, as the brochure points out. Oh, so this, his train's going to slow down. Well, I don't know if that. I mean, it's a steam locomotive. Uh, right. Okay, so look, he pushes it off, changes the thing so he'll go straight. Oh, no. And, that guy, and, so, uh, and this is incredible timing. <laughs> yeah, I know. And there had to be take after take after take after take. That'd be kind of fun to watch, the outtakes. Yeah. Is there any end credits that they show that? The no, that's, they didn't know to do it. That would have been good, all the ways they messed up. There, that'll fuck him up. That'll stop. That will fuck him up. Let's throw a penny down while we're at it. So look, he doesn't see it, but the boxcar goes right back onto the track. Oh, it's going to derail? Let's see. Dude, I want to I would pay good money. I would pay like a nickel to see a fucking train derailment. Really? Yeah, 1926. I'll take your bet. What the? How did it get in front of me? You know, a nickel to see a Buster Keenan movie in 1926 is the equivalent of a nickel in 1926 money. Right. Now, what will you give me if there's a derailment? 
Uh, I will give you. Will you give me a 1926 nickel? Yes. No, a penny. I probably have a 1926 penny somewhere. Look. Yeah, I'll give you a 1926 nickel. Derailed. Wow, that's pretty stunning. He owe me a nickel. That saved him from the railroad tie that would have. Now he's like, where the fuck did it go? <laughs> Dude, now I owe you a 1926 nickel. Does that mean a nickel that's from 1926 no, or the, the equivalent? Value, right. The value. Oh shit! I better mortgage my house. Nineteen twenty-six money. That would be a nickel. Sixteen dollars. Fuck. <laughs> now this is one of the most dangerous things he did during the production. Look, he's got to first flick this thing off. Right. Seriously, if that thing hits him, it will cut him. But he's not even looking. Look. Now here comes the second most dangerous thing, and they didn't they didn't do it in sequence. Good. Look, he go he has to flip it off, or it would derail, Mike. It would derail. Boom. One take. Yep. You know, I, I keep I keep telling you. I said this last the last time we watched the Buster Keenan movie for public uh, domain. Yeah, right. I kept calling him Harold Lloyd, but uh, I did mention that. John Wick 2 and John Wick 3 both start with footage from Buster Keaton. Uh, he's running around the city in the second one, and a Buster Keaton movie is being projected on a wall while he, while he motorcycles by. Gotcha. Uh, and then in the third one, he's he's lost in Times Square, and there's a projection, I believe it's from the general, of Buster Keaton on, suddenly shows up on the screen. Right. Because Why do you he, say Keaton? I don't know. Is Buster it, Keaton. Buster Crouton. <laughs> Buster Keaton. Keaton. This happens just like throughout the film. It's just it's just full on, you know, 170 oh. heart rate. It's, it's one thing reverse. after another. It's one thing after another. Is he stuck? Oh yeah. Oh shit. They greased the tracks and then they pulled it. He never looks around. Now he'll turn and he'll drop it. <laughs> he does that with the with the logs all the time. He's carrying logs and then some, he sees something and he just drops them. <laughs> and also his train's on fire. Not his train. The the Confederate uh, the Union set their train on fire. It's really the general. So they're gonna leave it in that bridge. They just they think that they're being followed by a lot of troops. Wow, and it's just Buster. Yeah. Rejected. Now, this is real. It really was smoke. Jesus Christ, and the camera's going in? No, even the camera won't go in. Holy shit. Yep, that's real fire, of course. Carl, man, I would be dead to the world. I'd be like, fuck your little movie. Is it crawl? I'm not going to sit through this fucking movie. You maybe go through a burning tunnel. I can't breathe. Seriously. <laughs> well actually there was they started forest fires and stuff and one time it was so bad they had to stop shooting for a while and then uh, like uh, lots of rain came and it cleared up all the smoke and they started filming again oh my god yeah so they're just burning the the trees yeah and man this is like a nickel's worth of entertainment <laughs> Throwing a movie, uh, a movie tone newsreel, and I'm all set. Now these are Oregon National Guard 
guards people. They and when they're being the Confederacy, they wear these outfits, and when they're uh-huh. the Union, they wear those outfits. So that because that state wasn't in the war, right? That was in North or South Oregon. No, it wasn't even a state. Yeah, yeah, it was like a territory or something. They hadn't reached cap. When did they reach? Uh, I actually maybe I'm 1860. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But by the time they shot this movie, it was a state. Yes, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There we go. Everything's in order. Now, behind him is the... Un- um, yeah, see, they hid from the South, and then the Union will come through, and sort of Buster Keaton will have to do the hiding. Gotcha. Yeah, that was pretty good timing on those guys. It's easier in, in silent movies because the director could be... Okay, guys, duck. Yeah. Well, you know, like, so, I mean, like, I, I was glad uh, John Wick referenced him because every, like, movie I like, whether it's Jackie Chan or uh, say John Wick, it's all based on him. And the visceral thrill to these movies give, you know, and the stunts he does and the grace he does to it. He's like, I got to change outfits. I'm dressed for the wrong side. Oh, right. Why do you like John Wick? Oh, man, they're shooting four and five back to back. They are, really? There's going to be four and five? Chapter four and chapter five, respectively. Excuse me, not not a movie. They're chapters. Yeah, it's a a novella. It's only five chapters, though. Listen, each chapter is very... each chapter has a certain, like, he gets beat up, he kills a guy. He gets beat up, he kills a guy. <laughs> it's just yeah. page, it's a page shirter. Every page, he's in a fight. So chances are he's going to survive because he has another fight. Now, now, this is they, they plan to drop logs on all of the Confederate soldiers. And then they see that it's only one dude. And does he see it's Buster? Keaton? No. Don't say Keaton. <laughs> <laughs> I am an alien. <laughs> what number are you on? I, I, uh, I think. What's your time, Carl? About uh, thirty-one oh five, oh six, oh seven, okay. okay, cool. I'm with you. He's on a train, right? Nope, not he's not anymore. <laughs> Okay, now they see it's only one man, so he is behind enemy lines, but he's jumped off the train. We're doing a funny gag with his hat. Walks right into it. Man, that guy's a genius. Buster, we got 10 minutes to kill. What are we going to do? We got a hat and a tree. Rain on me. Right. I'll think it's living. Oh, man. He's in the enemy's country, Carl. He's on the north side. And he's rained. It's being rained on. Now, how do they do the rain? What do you think? They really... This must be like a big Yeah, it's got to be a machine. During this film, Keaton gets knocked unconscious. 
Uh-huh. Um, an assistant director is shot in the face with a blank. What? A, really? A train wheel runs over a brakeman's foot, and they had to pay $29,000 in a lawsuit. The train's wood-burning engine caused numerous fires. The fires often spread to forests and farmers' haystacks, which cost the production $25 per burnt stack. Oh, yeah. This movie is a fucking menace. <laughs> it is. I don't know if this is a movie or like just a natural disaster. Oh, look, he's got a cockside view of uh, for lunch. He's going to sneeze. He's got a cockside side view. Goodness. Goodness, Michael. Oh, I'm not the one eating a sandwich in front of that guy's crutch. General. Okay, so now he's learning their big plan. Um, and they're going to attack. They're going to surprise him on their flank. It's a, it's a big plan. And Buster Keaton's overhearing it. So now he has information. Uh, that they could use uh, the right. staff. One of the people at the table is his father, Joe uh, Keaton. Keaton. Mr. That's Mr. Keaton to you. <laughs> this is the last film Joe Keaton was in. When I saw Buster, I said, Mr. Keaton, I'm a big fan. He goes, no, 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 no. Please call me Buster. Mr. Keaton is my father. <laughs> Another fire, another fire broke out during the filming of a large fight scene, which not only cost the production 50 grand, but it also forced Keaton and the crew to return to Los Angeles on August 6th due to excessive smoke. Heavy rains finally cleared the smoke in late August and production resumed. What the fuck were they doing? <laughs> oh, my God. It's such a... Well, the town loved him. They employed 1,500 people. There's this one scene in which there's a train wreck, and they made it a, a town-wide holiday so everyone could, everyone could come out and see the wreck. You know, and I'm sure the movie made uh, tons of money, and uh, it was a national movie, but at what price, Carl? At what price? Um, by the way, it, this film didn't really make money. Like, they spent 700 and something on it, and right. it made a million worldwide, so you could say it made its money. But the critics didn't like it, and audiences didn't respond. It's like $400,000 in the United States. And this is what made Keaton, like, I think he owed money, and, um, you know, he had to sign a contract because of this Joseph Schmecka Schmecka guy. Right. would be... Um, uh, he would have to work for MGM. He wouldn't have creative control of his films anymore. Wow. Yeah. So that gave started a downward, downward spiral for, for him. Yeah, it did. Now, this great film, one of his greatest works, mm -hmm. was what made him a flop. Isn't that stupid? Yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe it was nice that he burned a couple of acres at it. You know, like... Sure, karma paid him back, but he was able to kind of say, fuck you, this is going to ruin my career. Uh-oh. Oh, no, she's being guarded. Yeah, she's, she's an emotionally insecure woman, and right now she's being very guarded. That was hilarious. Wow, this is like a... I've seen, I, I don't know if I... I, I had to seen this movie. 
Oh, I've seen it before. You have you. I I thought you had as well. well Listen, I have. Audience, go watch all of Buster Keaton's case ketone. Go on, watch <laughs> all of Buster Keaton's. Watch this. This is funny. Bonk. Nice. Now, one of the funniest moments in the film will happen in this little segment, this little scene here. Right now, I have him going in. I'm at. Uh... He's not standing. Are you at 36, 40, 50? Eight. No, okay. no, 50. Right. 51. Okay. okay, now there's a guard outside the window, but he conked him out. But he knows there's a guard sleeping in front of the uh, door. So he has to be quiet. And this uh. is one of the funniest jokes in the film. <clears throat> he tells her to be quiet, be quiet. Then he's going to make a big noise and ruckus. And he'll just turn to her again and go, quiet. Come on. <laughs> he goes, ah! such a Chevy Chase move. Quiet. <laughs> <laughs> right, you're missing the sound. Quiet. Quiet. <laughs> it's followed up by one of the unfunniest things. He'll slam his hand in the window. Oh, my God. It's so stock. Oh, what are you talking about? It really slammed his hands. But he, yeah, I guess he made up the gag. It is 1926. Right. He hurt himself for a throwaway joke as he runs off in the rain. Now, they're just going to have a nightmare. Oh, there it is, the computer graphics. Oh, the CGI looks beautiful. Did you see the lightning strike? Yeah. Yeah, that was all 1926 CGI. A little primitive. Now, they had to painstakingly scratch the film to do that, because as you know, they just couldn't do a zip, zip, zorro. What about this bear? Are you at the bear? Yeah. He's behind glass. Fuck, dude, this movie has everything. Yeah, they spend their money. This was his masterpiece. Whoa! Ha, ha, ha. Uh -huh. Oh, good, we're synced up. So, Carl, this movie so far has provided me with, like, trained... Super Cop 2 style train cut fucking. Uh, <laughs> there was a, oh, it was a Jackie Chan movie where Michelle Yeoh is on a fucking motorcycle on top of a moving train. Mm -hmm. Computer graphics. Okay, so he gets her out and he gets stuck. Ah, ha, ha. That's okay. He'll get himself without his out with his foot, and his foot will get stuck. Ha ha ha. Wait a minute. A bear trap looks painful. It's a movie. Uh huh. He gets, like, when he gets out of it, he gets disgusted with it, and he, like, throws it aside. Like, I don't know, you got to see his face. And he goes, <laughs> <laughs> Right. Just get it off the screen. We got to right. run. So now Buster Keaton's going to be like, fuck this shit, man. Let's just hang out here for tonight. Yeah. Anyway, we turn is crocodiles and <laughs> bears and under glass and shit like that. Stuck in a bear trap, and a, there's a lightning scratch on the film. Oh, that's funny. Now I don't know if it's meant to be a joke. Okay, she, here you he goes. It was brave of you to come risk your life, right? Just for me. But the truth is, he went after his train. He didn't know she was on it, right? That is true. That is and true. He but doesn't admit. He lets her believe it. Is there going to be pay uppins? Nope. 
Well, that's good. I mean, the guy's becoming a hero. He's saving his, his girl. At least now, look how so. dry they will be when... Okay, see, they're dry. Now, it's yeah. the morning. They had all night to dry off. But I don't know. Is that what happens in the cold, damp night? You think this war movie is unrealistic? <laughs> you think people in the 20s are like, that's not how they were playing. the last war happened? That's so, the look, war. they were right by civilization. Last oh, this night. whole time? That's and funny. He said, I don't know. See, is that made as a joke? Like, let's just stay here. Because if I was editing this and that was my joke, yeah. From him saying, stay here, I would cut to, they were right next to civilization. All right. Otherwise, the joke doesn't have a punch. It's a soft punch. Right. There's the general. Hot diggity dog. It's my fucking train. What a quinkadink. Well, they did steal it, and he did find it. Now, he overheard the plot to out, you know, attack him from the left flank. He heard the whole game game plan. We got to get back to our lines and warn them. Warn them of this fart attack. This fart attack? Well, no. <laughs> Just this attack. I'm as serious as a fart attack. <laughs> now was that funny he thought yeah that three was oh man look it's mail for santa claus now, dear chris kringle now what they're gonna do is put her in the sack and load her onto the look it's um it's holocaust <laughs> shoes wow yeah give the bag the boot Get in there. The Germans don't let any part of the pig go to waste. <laughs> and I was in, you ever have burlap sex? Amazing. <laughs> Look at, damn. We'll put a hole in the sack. <laughs> All right, I'll stop. <laughs> okay, so you know the plot get her onto yeah. the thing now somehow she's going to pull out the pin of the train so they can just steal the general but i don't know when they communicated that to each other this is funny he lost his shoe right he got all the shoes well she's in a bag oh well that's she's gonna be in a bag for a while now when she's on the train she doesn't get herself out of the bag why not why not i mean does he know she's well i don't know now, this is, must be the world's first stuntman in that bag. <laughs> no, it's her. Shut it's up. Yeah. Shut up. In this scene, it's her. Right. Why would you, why are these people doing this for a fucking movie? It's a, it's a paycheck. Yeah, all right. Now, look, Buster's going to walk right past. His plan's working perfectly. Hey, you, you there. Put that broad on the train. <laughs> Now, look, he pulls out, she pulls out the pin. Now, that was part of their plan. Well, yeah. All right. Then she goes. Yeah. Uh, one ticket, please. Only one person for this train, please. Uh, and uh, carry on. Shh. Quiet. We're almost there. Uh, how many tickets for the driving? Just one in this burlap sack. So she's got the pin. It's with her in the sack. 
and they're gonna all the confederates so the northerners are still gonna be like driving the train right yeah but look what he's gonna do bonk pow kick jesus oh. christ he's fucking uh jackie can jackie he's, chan excuse me he stole the train well all right i guess this means a duel now that guy i just realized and this is like the fourth time i've seen this that guy he's gonna be a, a rifleman later that's interesting well you'll see so he's stolen back his general right right and that's great and now he's going to tell them of the big plot but they're after him not only one locomotive two will go after him and that's okay because i'm sure hijinks will ensue yeah you would hope 